Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Hashem, the hour is late, so we're going to do a little bit of an abridged version today. But what I wanted to do is just get back into that piece of Rav Khan and we left off with last time. I'd like to finish up the COVID shiurim, and then we'll jump into the new Mar Makomo, starting with the 19 letters of Rav Hirsch. So this is in the, uh, the packets from last week. We're on page 5. Rav Hanin basically told us that there are two issues we have to make sure to avoid when it comes to pursuing secular studies. The first was that if it'll bring me to reading Svarim Chitzonim, books of heresy, obviously that's off the table. And there's no heter for that. That's the mission in Sanhedrin. The second point he made was going to a university where you're going to be in a non-Jewish environment, not able to stay strong and committed to Torah learning and Torah values. So that's obviously also a deal breaker. You can't, you can't place your child into a situation where they're going to be influenced. Then he said, though, this is Gimel, that when it comes to learning for an umnis, learning for one's job in the future, not only is that permissible, that's a mitzvah. You have to make a living, you have to support your family. So assuming you're not reading from Sifri Minus, and assume you're not in a university where there's a secular non-Jewish influence, then to be able to study, to be able to learn an occupation, is permissible, and it's a mitzvah lasos kein. Now we get to Osdalad and Rav he says, Let's say I'm not learning a particular craft or I'm not getting an education in a field for my future job, but rather I want to study this area because uh, I enjoy it. It's fun. I already have a profession, or let's say I'm learning all day, whatever I'm doing. The reason I want to dabble in biology is just because I enjoy learning more about the world. So, yesh makam lesser mishum bitl Torah. He says, there is room to say that it should be problematic if it takes away from Torah learning. And then he quotes the Ramah. The Ramah we saw in Yeridei, Reish Memvav, where he was of the opinion that it's mutter to learn other wisdoms ba'akrai, meaning once in a while it shouldn't be a kavias, it shouldn't be the ikra in my life, but to dabble in different uh, sources of wisdom Assuming it's not Sifrei Minos, that would be mutter. So says Rav Ochanan, Yesh listapek betaymodein lasosam keva. Here's a chakira. Here's the question. What's pshat that I cannot make a kavias in secular studies? Imhu mishum bitol Torah. Is the issue pretty simply, it takes you away from Torah? If you're doing it once in a while, like the Ramah himself said to the marshal, you know, during Cholomoed, everyone else is going to Disney World and I'm reading a you know, geometry book. Okay. But if it's going to be a Kavias, it'll take up a lot of time. That's Bittu Torah. Is that the reason of the Ramah? Oh, F sure, or perhaps. Even if the Bittu Torah Cheshben was not something we should be concerned with. Maybe the reason 
for the ruling of the Ramah, only to learn secular Chachma Bakrai, is an order that psychologically we don't give it the same importance as we give Torah. We should not forget that the purpose of the world is Torah study. And he quotes the, the Rambam in his introduction to Mishnayis. So the Rambam says, it's true, we do have a Chazal that tells us that which seems to say that the only thing Hashem cares about is the Dalet Amos of learning Torah. The Rambam explains, It doesn't mean that we don't need any other Chachma besides Torah. The Rambam explains that we need all aspects of wisdom to live and to have a civilized society. Rather, Pshat in that Chazal explains the Rambam is that everything else outside of the Tchum, outside of the realm of Torah, that Chachma is not an end unto itself. They're emtsoyim letachlis. They're a means to get to the goal, which is Torah. Torah learning and Torah living. Of letachlis kol habriyahi ha Torah levada. But the entire goal, the entire intent of our creation is only the Torah. So interesting chakira. The Ramah says you're only allowed to learn other wisdoms. Ba'akrai, is it because if you will learn the Kaviyas, it's bitl Torah? Or... Perhaps, if you would learn the Kaviyas, even if you would argue it's not Bithal Torah. Why would it not be Bithal Torah? Well, one example might be women. Women have no Isser of Bithal Torah. Or let's say someone's not going to be learning anyway. I learned to my max today. I've already been shtagging for, for eight hours in a row, and I need a little break. So now I'm going to take a few hours and have a Kaviyas and in a secular subject. So the second side of the Chakira would be we're concerned that you're giving it equal Chashivas. The first side, I'm not here. So I assume, I assume the first side would be if it's just a little bit, it's not really taking you away from Torah. It means during the down times. Exactly. And places where I can't learn anyway, might as well hop around a little bit of Chachma. Is there any tzad to say that it would be like L'Chachila if it's enabling you to understand Torah? Like let's say, again, Big Mar and Sukkah, where it's a difficult math, if you use the math book to learn that math in order to apply it. Great question. So the truth is, we definitely believe in the mission in Perki Avos, that everything we need to know can be found within the Torah itself. I just saw recently in the uh, Orchos Yosher from Mikhail Kanievsky, where there's a whole segment on this. So that's true, I guess, conceptually. However, for us to really get to the, the, the idea of, of Pi, from the Torah itself, or certain other aspects of, of science and mathematics, it's very difficult. And therefore, for us to learn a, a geometry book to help us with a particular sugya, or to learn an astronomy book to help us understand something about the mazolos, and that's not just mutter, but that's needed to have a havan of the pshat, 100%. So this is the Chakira of Rav Wasserman in the ruling of the Ramah.
when it comes to day schools, this is a, a constant struggle. Because on one hand, you want to make sure that the, the parent body feels comfortable, that we have a strong secular program, and we speak about how amazing everything is, and we got the best principal to be in charge of the curriculum. And on the other hand, you want to make sure that the message is clear and is not watered down. Our goal is to produce B'nai Torah. And if you start equating those two messages, how stellar the secular program is and how amazing the Lamudic Kodesh curriculum are, so those two things together, it gets a little bit tricky. It always has to be the Iker is Limud HaTorah and producing B'nai Torah. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we also have a very, a very effective secular program. Let's see Os Hey. Now he really gets back to explain what took place in the 1800s that we're going to get into today, Mertesha. On this most fundamental point of always viewing Torah as the main thing, People made a mistake where they began to be machshiv, the learning of other things, just like Torah. They were of the opinion, we'll see, that's referring to um, communities in Germany and elsewhere. They were of the opinion that just like you have to learn Torah Lishma, you also need to learn secular Chachma Lishma for its own sake. The Haraya, what's the proof that this was their opinion? The proof was is that they introduced <coughs> secular studies into the yeshivas, into the schools, even though they didn't have to. The government was not mandating this, but they chose to do so. So clearly they felt that there's something intrinsically beneficial to outside Chachma. Let's see. He says, <coughs> The ramification or the outcome of this warped mindset, that they began to actually view as equal the learning of Torah and the learning of Chachma Chitzonis. And this was very bitter, very negative. It came to the point where in order to be viewed as a proper rabbi, a rabbi that we would want to hire, you not only have to be a tremendous Talmud Chacham, you have to have a degree. You have to have gone to college. Otherwise, we're not going to look at you. And when this mindset became prevalent, the Torah was wearing sackcloth bringing in the co-wife into the house, right? Rebbe Chadin concludes, getting even deeper, What was the source of this misunderstanding? Where was it coming from? How did Klal Yisrael, at least in, in particular countries and places, how did they get to this point of really equating secular Chachma with Torah? So Rebbe Chadin says, Haya ayadei negiyah. It was based on a bias. It was based on a, on a negiyah. 
that if we become more similar to the non-Jewish world and we learn what they're learning and we could excel in their studies, then tiktan sinasam Yisrael, then perhaps their hatred for the Jewish people would diminish. However, they're making a tremendous mistake. Because the, the exact opposite is true. Iker Sibas Hasinali Yisrael Bedoro Seinu. tells us the main reason for that terrible, deep hatred we find from the non-Jewish world against Yisrael in our generation. Mipnei Shavuronu Al Atzas Avinu Hazokein. We've been transgressing the the eights of Yaakov when he told his children Lambatisro. Why do you appear to be so healthy and and well fed? The Dilemaven, this, this should be sufficient for one who understands what I'm saying. So just, just understand this, right? He's saying the Shoresh of this Shibush, right? The source of this warped mindset came from a Nagia to want to be more similar to the non Jewish world, to be more accepted, to be respected in their areas of life and culture that they themselves were Machshev. And that way we were hoping they would hate us less. And Rabbi Hanan says the exact opposite is true. It's, it's dafka, and this is what I think he means, the Dai maven will have to be those who are mevinim. It's dafka when we're entering their world and we're doing their things better than they do their things. That's when they hate us even more. When we stay true and committed to Torah and Torah values and we're not trying to outdo our non-Jewish neighbor in their own pursuits, so then that sinna, that, that fire of sinna would not exist in the same way. Could it be also like the corruption, like today where you have a corruption of society and morals and a lot of it comes from Jews. So they come into their society, break down You're their society. The, the corruption of morality in society? <clears throat> right. If you look at the leaders of most of them. Well, that, that's a premise I'm not sure I'm willing to grant. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Are the people like... The breakdown of society is no, all no. based on Donald Trump. <laughs> but, no, no, what I'm saying is like, if you go into and you look at the leaders of the people that are breaking down in colleges, they're coming up with ideas that break down society. Or let's say um, Bernie Sanders. I mean, people that come up here and destroy it tends to be... So that's a stereotype that I'm not, I'm not willing to You're believe not sure. in. I'm, I'm asking. I'm not. I think there are definitely many corrupt Jews out there, and sadly many of them are, are well-known, and some of them are in jail, you know, those who have veered off the Derech HaTorah. But, but to go so far as to say that the corruption in society is from... Not the entire corruption, but when you stand out as a Jew. Right, so I think that's part of what he's saying. That when we get into their mindset, and we're going to see more of this, more of this in Rav Hirsch, when we're machshev with their machshev and we play their games, so that that corruption or that materialism, that that could be very, very uh, kind of stoking the coals of the hatred. I, I just want to give a clarification on uh, was it Huffikvo the Huffikvo? Is that to say within the particular Indian that you're learning? Everything you sort to unpack, like if you're studying a circular object, you if you naturally put everything together, you're going to come to pi. Okay, but are we bringing that even further? That if you look deep, 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 deep into the, into the code of the Torah, you're going to get the behavioral patterns of a crayfish 
or you're going to get, uh, you know, the, the, the appearance of the storm inside Jupiter or like whatever, like you're going to be able to understand anything in the universe if you look deep enough. That's what Chazal teaches. Chazal teaches that every aspect of Chachmah is in the Torah. Does that mean we're going to find a particular code talking about this storm on Jupiter? Lav Davka. But it'll give us the tools to understand what's going on in the entire universe. It means the Gans, the Torah, everything. It's very wide, it's very vast, it's very deep. But the mission is teaching us if you have a mastery of Torah, all of the tools, all of the strategies we need to decipher anything in the universe is hidden within the Torah itself. What's that? I don't want to hack on how he's using the Pasuk right now. <laughs> I think the basic message we understand. I want to finish off Rav Chad until we get to Rav Hirsch. Let's jump to Os Tess on page 6. <laughs> <laughs> he speaks about the old debate. We find this in the, uh, the Chobos Levavos and other earlier Svarim. Where they have a machlokus whether or not we should utilize philosophy to come to a greater hakara, recognition and awareness of a Kaddish Baruch Hu's existence. So he says it's true, there was a machlokis. There's not much of a nafkamina for us, because everyone agrees, even the Chobos Lovavos and others who were of the opinion that philosophy could be helpful in arriving at more of a conviction and the clarity of the Kaddish Baruch Hu, that's only a Nashim Shemilu Kresam Babasar V'yayin. To quote the language of the Rambam, that's only referring to people who filled their stomachs with the bread and wine of Torah. And therefore, Shekola Rucho Shebaolam Lo Yazizim Imkomam, that all of the winds would not take them away from their anchor in Torah. Of a loba Nashim Bechuse Erech Kamono, but for people like ourselves, we struggle with our Muna. We're living in such a warped society and so many different influences. Where there's such grave danger of uh, dabbling in that world, everyone would agree it is not a smart move. One other thing Rav Hanan does say is he also addresses the Rambam, which we've seen from the Rivash, this in paragraph Ches. He says the Rambam, in a letter that he writes to Rebbeinu Yonason HaKohen, he says about himself that it's true, he learned the Chachmos Chitzonios, Lisharesh Esa Torah, only in order to serve his understanding in Torah, and also, like we saw from the Rivash, to utilize it to help be Makare of other Jews using that particular type of philosophy. But the only time we say when you're learning outside Chachmos, Lishem Mitzvah, you don't have to be concerned, is if the danger is not right there. So for someone like the Rambam, who was Mole Kreso, Babasar V'yayin Shel Torah, he didn't have that same concern, that same Sakana. But Rav Hanan concludes, for people like us, even if we're doing a L'Shem Shemayim, even if we're trying to dabble a little bit in those philosophical works, to, because I'm a Kiruv professional, and I'm going to use it to help save Klal Yisrael, it sounds like the Eitzah would be, be, be very careful. Be very careful. We're not as strong as we think we are. Is that even the place that I dabble as the Ramad Sefer himself, that we discussed last week, that, that, that I only, if you go only to the Mount of Ruchim, so then you're not 
you're not teetering on the edge of other parts, other parts of the philosophy that were dangerous, but it's still down. So I would assume, I, I would assume, based on the logic set forth from Rav Hanan, he would say even if you're looking at this chachma through the prism of the Mor or even if I'm getting a little bit into that philosophical world through learning the first parak of Chovos Levavos, these things are not pashat, because likely you're not going to fully understand what's being said, and uh, you could be left off with more questions than answers. And I feel that people that want to upshot the Hashem, they have a lot of uh, firepower in their arsenal to uh, fight against a lot of philosophies, even if it's through... Uh, you don't come prepared. Right. I mean, listen, the whole world of philosophy is so incredibly tenuous. You know, any, any debate you have with anyone in the realm of philosophy, it's not so much about the content, it's more about the presentation and your ability to, to make a, an argument. And I don't know, it's, it's a world of shekhar and deceit by and large. Let's jump to source number 12. Here we have the 19 letters from Misham Shofar Hirsch, Zeicher Tzadik Kodesh Levracha. In letter 18, he speaks about his program that he feels we need for the education of our youth. Read some of these lines together. The results of the science must be carried over into life, transplanted by schools. Schools for Jews, we have to have yeshivas. The young saplings of your people should be reared as Jews, trained to become sons and daughters of Judaism, as you have recognized and comprehended and learned to respect and love it as the law of your life. The language of Tanakh and the language of the land should be theirs. So they should understand the language of Tanakh and also the language of their land. In both they should be taught to think. Their heart should be taught to feel. Their mind to think. The Tanakh should be their book of law for life and they should be able to comprehend life through their word. So one thing we're going to have to think about carefully is when he was writing this in the 1800s in Germany, was this the, the Das Torah only for his time and place? What he felt was more of a hurrah shah? This is what the people needed to hear? Or was this opinion objective? This is how people should learn. This is the curriculum that yeshivas should have. Let's That's going to be a major question. Nobody asked him. Hmm? Nobody asked him. Um, I don't know, <laughs> but this this is definitely going to be a source of debate. Rav Hanan was telling us in the 1900s that there was definitely a shibush. There was a mistake along the way, and it could be that mistake came from some of these ideas that were misunderstood. When those ideas apply at the same day school or other areas? So the basic concept would apply, but I guess the question is to what measure and to what extent. You know, but here Hirsch is saying that you have to know language of Tanakh and the language of your land. Their eyes should be open to recognize the world around them as God's world and themselves and God's world as his servants. Their ears should be open to perceive in history the narrative of the education of all men to his service. The wise precepts of the Torah and Talmud should be made clear to them as designed to spiritualize their lives for such sublime service of God. Now he's not just saying what to teach, but how to teach it. 
meaning that the goal of all the information we're trying to convey is not just you have to memorize these facts, so you have to know this information, but you should have a, a, an appreciation that this is here to make your life more meaningful and more spiritual. And they should be taught to comprehend, respect, and love them in order that they might rejoice in the name Jew despite, that, despite which that name implies of scorn. So the name Jew doesn't have a positive connotation all the time, but we should be able to educate our children in a way where they take pride and pleasure in that name. Let's jump down here to three lines on the bottom of Rav Hirsch. Lighted germs of the nobler disposition in the breasts of parents should also be stirred. Don't just get the kids involved, but as much as possible, try to inspire the parents. And if this is impossible, at least they should be forced to respect the sentiments they could not comprehend nor share. We're going to focus on that in one moment. If these ends should be earnestly striven for, it would be different in Israel. So I think his point here is regarding the parent body, which as teachers or educators or as parents, this is very important. Sometimes a parent might not always be on the same page as the school. And you get this a lot. You know, let's say in Eretz Yisrael, we have Americans who make Aliyah, trying to find the right school for their children can be extremely difficult and everything is its own little world and you have to choose your world to jump into and I don't feel comfortable with any of the options. Or the same thing could be true for a Jewish community in America. Many different examples. You send your kid to a particular school though because you think this fits the best. Now, they might have requirements or policies or suggestions that I don't feel so comfortable with. To always bash a school or to make fun of this particular chumrah or to put down the Rebbe for saying something that I have a different hashkafa in, that's not good for anybody. It's not good for the school and it's definitely not good for the children. So even if I'm not as from as the school is, but there are certain <coughs> things where, listen, I might not appreciate it, I might not, res- I might not comprehend it, but I could a- at least respect the fact that they're trying to take my child in a particular direction, they're trying to inspire him. It's a, it's a larger conversation, but it's an important line of rehearsal. I think we'll... Yes, that's actually also an important line. He said there in the middle, together with this instruction, they should be fitted for breadwinning, meaning they have to get an education in order to know how to make a parnasa, but they should be taught that breadwinning is only a means, not the purpose of life, and that the value of life is not to be judged according to rank, wealth, or splendor, but according to the amount of good and service of God with which it is filled. That's crucial. So you've got to get them ready for breadwinning, And that means if you're living in a particular country where you have to know basic skills in order to make it, so then you have to give them the basic skills. If you have to know how to speak the language of the land in order to get a job and support your family, then you have to know how to speak the language of the land. The question could be, well, to what extent is this true? What level of math does my kid really have to know to get a job? What level of English? And you could argue if you're living in a very um, 
you know, kind of closed community and everything works by itself or I work for you and you work for me and my, my uncle's brother has a friend and he could hook you up with this job. So it could be, you don't need as much of, of this chachmah. But, but for most Orthodox Jews living in America, if you don't know how to speak English and you don't know some basic skills in, in math and how to get by, you're going to be handicapped when it comes to making a parnasa. This might be straying too much into a broader conversation, but I mean, is, is there something to be said in terms of Torah Midos that if you're going to undertake teaching the child math, teaching the child English, that, that you should just do it like a mensch, except that you're teaching it to them, teach it to them properly, instead of like with this like knot in your stomach, constantly like, ugh, just the bare minimum, bare, bare minimum, just like teach it like a mensch, sit in your seat, learn the whole thing. 100%. Exactly you should like teach everything like a mensch. You should never have that, the pangs of guilt. This is my job, I'm teaching in a yeshiva, I have to teach them well. Now you could argue how much do they need to be learning? What type of math? What level of trigonometry? You know, okay, Th those are good questions. But we definitely believe, we've quoted before, from Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Pam, that whenever they would have shilas of a kid who's learning in yeshiva and he was going to college also, and they would ask, do I have to pay attention in class? I could just kind of space out and get a C. Or I could, I could work hard. Doesn't mean I have to work hours and hours and hours to get an A+, but I could work hard, I could do well. The response was always, you have to work hard. Because once you're spacing out in one area of life, it's hard for that not to carry over to Ruchnius and to Limit HaTorah. Let's quickly see Rav Kook, because he seems to have a similar approach. And we'll probably end off with this for today. Rav Kook writes in a letter that nowadays, <coughs> where we have the youth, that they're being influenced and they're being seduced by the non-Jewish world. We have to show the world even the Talmidei Chachamim who are working with sanctity in the Torah, they're not lacking the ability to express themselves well and articulately. He says, this, I believe, was the intent of the Ramchal. The Ramchal, besides the author of the Mesil Sisharim and the Derech Hashem and the Das Tavunos and many others, he was also a playwright. <coughs> Did you know that? The Ramchal wrote plays and poetry. Rabbi Yehuda Halevi, the author of the Kuzari, also wrote poetry. <coughs> so what's pshat? <coughs> so the, he says the Ramchal was doing this to show the world that you could be a Talmud Chacham and at the same time you could be uh, eloquent. And he says about himself, I too, right, in his humility, the small one, I want to grab on to the cloak of Rav Kook. I want to grab on to the cloak, rather, of the Ramchal and follow in his footsteps. And to follow that derech to my limited ability. And he throws in, you should know, for Shleimus in Torah, it also requires Yediyu Shel Chachmas Olam. You have to know some of the Chachmas Olam. In many areas of life, 
and especially to know what to respond to someone who is misguided. So within these three lines, really, he said three different svaras. The first logic is, it's almost a chilil Hashem if the world looks at Talmud Chachamim as uneducated, so therefore you have to present yourself. The second svara, he says, is there are definitely many aspects of Torah that require a yediyah of Chachmas Olam. And the third svara is, you have to know how to answer people who are influenced by uh, apikorsis. <laughs> which is something that's very needed nowadays. Then <clears throat> he quotes from the Gra and the Maral, who spoke about the, uh, the need for yediyos in, in other areas of life. But then he has a caveat here, and this always makes things complicated. All of this should be after I've been very zahir in my continuous study of Torah and cleansing my midos. Especially avoiding anger and arrogance, and sadness. Those can be the shorish for so many negative midos. One other factor he throws in, there has to be consistent learning of panemius Torah, which means what? Kabbalah. So assuming you're learning Torah stark, and you're working on your midos, and you don't have you know, what some of those people have, the kas and gaiva and an atzvos, right? And you're learning panemius Torah every day, then, it's tried and tested, meaning he could speak for himself, right? This is who I am, and people who are on a similar madrega, once you do all of these, these introductory steps, then the dabbling in other wisdom will not harm you. As long as you do it b'shiurim l'shem shemayim with the proper measure, and it should all be l'shem shemayim. Adaraba, very interesting idea here. We're going to see this in Rishwab as well. Yosifu lo omets ba'avodas Hashem yisbarach. It could actually bring more strength in your avodas Hashem. B'simcha raba u'begadlos hamochin to increase your joy in your avodas Hashem. And how would you translate the phrase, begadlos hamochen? More than smarter, it's not that it's going to raise my IQ, but it expands the das. Right? This is a Kabbalistic phrase. I don't want to get too into this with you lowly people. Begadlos <laughs> hamochen means to expand the mind. So the secular chachm can actually be mechazek and bring simcha and expansion to avodas Hashem. He was writing this to someone, it sounds like, at least in Rav Cook's perception, misunderstood something that he wrote earlier. If when I write these ideas, there will be some people who will make a mistake in my words, and they're going to say things in my name that I never really intended, then listen, Nebuch, what can I do? Just because some people will misunderstand my teachings, I'm not going to withhold the good from those who are roy to understand my teachings. Did he think that most people on the level of what he's describing here 
found like he, he thinks it's going to be a myth, or we're not really go by that. But he, did he look around the world and see that everybody was holding him in this in this state? That's a great question. Meaning, when he gives all of these prerequisites to be able to get into Chachmas Olam, like what percentage of the Jewish world that he assumed really fits in that category? Or What's that? A guy. So I think we would all assume that, but the way he's presenting it, it doesn't sound like, like he's saying, and, th- and what I'm telling you is only, only appropriate for seven people, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. It sounds like he's saying more of a sweeping statement, his, his educational philosophy. Mm-hmm. He's giving you boundaries and guidelines. You have to work on Kas and Gaiva and Atzvos. You have to be learning <laughs> Panemius at Torah. But as long as you're doing all those things, then, then uh, it's not going to be so harmful. There's a few people out there who are not ready for a bow. It's a great question. I'm not sure how many people he would think would really fit into this, into this category. But we have here at least, we're going to end off for today. We finished off with Bukharan Wasserman, and um, we saw his famous Chakira in the Ramah, and the Yisod Gadol of sometimes the danger of having the secular studies is not the Bittal Torah aspect of it, but if it, if, if it creates this <laughs> level of equation between Limud HaTorah and Chachmas HaOlam, that could lead to Shibush. He was suggesting some of the misunderstanding that took place in the 18th century was based on a Nagia of wanting to be closer to the non-Jewish world and not to be hated so much, but Ada Rabbit really works the contrary. We saw Rav Hirsch in his letter 18, where he says, at least for his time and place, we'll have to explore a little bit deeper if this would apply you know, all throughout history, that you have to know the language of Tanakh and the language of the land in which you live. Um, you have to teach people how to make a parnasa, but at the same time give them the proper perspective that it's only a means to an end, but obviously it's all about service of God. And then we saw Rav Cook where he mentions these three ideas as to why he felt it was Kadai to have some level of tfisa of the Chachmas Umas Olam. The first reason was because it Chilul Hashem otherwise, if we're viewed as uneducated. The second reason was that sometimes the Chachma itself is needed for Torah. And the third reason was, which he said, we have to know how to respond to an Apikoros. But his, uh, his prerequisites seem to make it somewhat limiting. To be continued, Mr. Shem. By the way, my question wasn't 